Good morning again, church. As we um, come into 2023, we're going over the spiritual disciplines, and I want to talk today about the spiritual discipline of fellowship, what it means to be the church and part of the church. And maybe you're saying, oh man, again? Well, the Bible's big on that. The Bible tells us about that. We live in a day and an age in which people believe that they're in a community because they're doing this. And they have hundreds of friends and thousands of friends, and I have followers, and I'm this, and I'm that. And you may be, but the fact is, studies have shown psychologically that people are more alone and more depressed today than they ever have been. This is not reality. The Bible tells us that reality is found in Jesus Christ. Truth, reality is found in Jesus Christ. Jesus is building a kingdom, a kingdom that will have no end. Remember what Gabriel said to Mary, he says, and he shall sit on the throne of his father David, and of this end, of his, of his kingdom, there shall be no end. It's never going to end. I can't stress it enough to us, uh, uh, because I have to in my own heart, because I can so easily be deceived by the kingdoms of this world and the things that this world offers, that no, they're going to perish They're going to fall. The kingdom of God will stand forever. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so what we do on Sunday mornings and what we do throughout the week and what we call ourselves and what we associate ourselves with is really of the utmost importance. So I want to talk today about the spiritual discipline of fellowship. I ask that you stand with me and turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. No surprises there when it comes to the the discipline of fellowship. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. You are building your church. And we thank you that you do have the words of life. And Father, if we're honest, if we're looking for truth and for life, where else can we go? Where else can we go? You have the words of eternal life. And it's those words of which we want to hear today. It's those words which we want to understand today. That as we are in the last times, we're in the last days, that we would be strengthened, that we'd be built up in the most holy faith. We ask it, Lord God, for your glory. Amen. This is what God says to us today. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and, to the, and the fellowship, <clears throat> to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions, belonging, the possessions and belongings, and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. As we look at the spiritual discipline of fellowship, we're going to see there's a, there's a, a criteria, there's a number of things which define the fellowship or the church or believers. 
<clears throat> the very first thing that characterizes a church or the fellowship is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. There is no church if there is no Holy Spirit. It's bottom line, can't happen. There can be a group, a gathering, but it's not a church, at least according to what God says. The Holy Spirit is the one who takes the Word of God, applies it to us, helps us to understand it, to see and to know what God wants. It is, it is through the power of the Holy Spirit that we worship with our mind. He gives us clarity and He gives us understanding into the things of God. And, and it is imperative that you and I be students of God's Word, that we study God's Word, we know what God's Word says, because God promised through the prophet Amos, and I believe we're in that, I believe we are in that time. This is me personally. To behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will send a famine, not of food and water, but of hearing the word of God. Many churches in the world today are compromising the word of God. They're making the own word of God, their own word of God. They're changing what God's word says concerning who created the world. They're concerning God's word. They're changing God's word in what marriage is. They're changing God's word in what defines a man and a woman. God's word is gone. There's a famine for hearing the word of God. And we need to be students of the word of God. And we need to know that in order for us to be a church, we need to first be filled with the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? It means that you've bowed your knee to Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And ask Him to be Lord of your life. Have you done that? Are you filled with the Holy Spirit today? Does that mean you're going to act weird and do weird stuff? No, that's acting weird and doing weird stuff. Being filled with the Holy Spirit means I have a mindset. I have a belief. I want to know what God says and I want to obey what God says. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is the priority. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is the first thing that defines the truth. You remember the apostles and the 120 were already filled with the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. And Peter gives a sermon, the very first sermon of the New Testament church. And it says they were cut to the heart and they asked what to do. And this is what Peter says to them in Acts 2, verse 38 to 41. And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received this were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls to the church. Massive, explosive growth. I bet the apostles didn't know what to do. R. Kent Hughes, in his commentary, says there were now 3,000 problems. <laughs> Right? Because people come with all their ideas and their mindsets and, and um, all that has to be worked through and shaped 
And it's going to be done through the Holy Spirit. The church had massive explosive growth. But it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they were devoted. They may not have understood everything, but they were devoted. They were devoted to the church. Devoted. Proskakatero. It means to persist obstinately in. What a great definition. Though obstinate seems to be a word that's not viewed favorably, right? To be obstinate means to be, I'm not going to be swayed from my point of view, from my belief system. They were convinced 100% because God the Holy Spirit revealed to them the truth of the words that were preached by Peter. And they were saved from the crooked and perverse generation. God called them out of darkness and into His wonderful light. And they were convinced of it and they were devoted to the church. Jesus calls us to be devoted to His church. You need to understand that a church is not just a building. It's a building in which the church meets. We, the people, are the church of the living God. We are the church. Where we gather and, 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 and where we gather is where the church is. We can meet at McDonald's tomorrow, next Sunday. It's the church. This room is no more special because it's the sanctuary. It's where the church, the people of God gather. They are the church. The church, by definition, is all true believers from all time. That's the church universal. Then we have the church local. You and I are the church local. Right here, 31 Passaic Avenue, Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey. This is our church. We are called to be devoted to the church, the teachings of the church, and to the church local. We're called to be devoted to Jesus Christ. We have to ask ourselves, am I devoted? And I don't mean just by showing up, but in my heart and in my mind. Am I really devoted to the church? Am I really devoted to the teachings of Jesus Christ? This is convicting. Am I really? Do I really get on fire when I'm in trouble and I have a need? And then all of a sudden, Jesus is my best buddy. Because I realize he's the one that gets me out of trouble. Or can. Am I devoted? Deep inside to the church. Jesus said of those who want to follow him. Jesus says this in, nine, in Luke 9.26, Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Oh, we might say, well, I've looked back plenty of times. I think what Jesus is saying is, if I really have a desire to be half in the world and half in the church, it doesn't happen. We need to be all in or we're not in. They were devoting themselves to the church because they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, the apostles' teaching, the instruction of the apostles. Diache, you might have heard that word, means instructions or teachings. And what is? What is the apostles' teaching? How would we summarize the teaching of the early church? 
believe it's found in Jesus asking the question, Who am I? Who am I? Who do people say that I am? Was Jesus worried about what people said? No, he, did, he, he was very secure within his own self and who he was within the Father. But he asked the disciples for their betterment. And remember what Peter said. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's the basis of the apostles' teaching. That Christ came into the world. What's contained in you are the Christ, the Son of the living God? Well, as a Jew, they understood they were looking for a Messiah. They were looking for the Christ, the Savior. You are the Savior. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. It all rests on you. You alone are Savior. You alone are Sustainer. You alone are Sanctifier. That's who you are, Jesus. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. For flesh and blood is not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. How did he do it? Through the Holy Spirit. And I tell you, where Peter and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Let's just be clear, what does Jesus mean by, I tell you, where Peter and on this rock I will build my church. He does not build the church on Peter. He builds the church on the statement of the fact that you, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. That is the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to the fellowship, to the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to the church. You are part of God's church. If you are a Christian, if you claim the name of Christ, you are part of the church. The Bible tells us, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. And then later on it says, and now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. We are the church of Jesus Christ, the local church of Jesus Christ. We are what is called the fellowship, the koinonia. means participation, communion, close association. There is, as Paul says in the book of Ephesians, there is one body and one spirit. Just as you were called the one hope that belongs to your call, <clears throat> one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. There is only one Christ. There is only one church. And we are called to be part of it. Are we devoted to the church? Are we devoted to the apostles' teachings? Of course, the apostles have now expanded out that teaching. We get it in what's called the New Testament. We understand it. Are we devoted to the teachings of the church? It says they were devoted to that. They were devoted to the apostles' teachings, to the hearing of the Word of God, the explaining of the Word of God, the expository preaching of the Word of God, and they were devoted to the breaking of bread. They were devoted to eating together. 
I do not, I believe that what's in view here is partly the Lord's Supper, but they actually had fellowship together. They ate together in their homes. They had each other over and they had, they did life together, if you would. If you remember, I encouraged you last week to invite people over for dinner. Invite people out for coffee. Get to know the people in the church. We can say we're the church and we're members of it, but how many of us actually know each other's name here today? How many of us just really come and go? Don't care to get involved in anybody's. Care to know somebody's name. We may know them by face. And, and, and has it ever happened to you? Have you ever seen somebody here in church at the supermarket and you're like, oh man, what's their name? <laughs> right? To which I say, thank God for the term brother and sister. Yeah. Right? Right? But what a cop-out that is. What a cop-out that is. As we watch the world get worse and worse, and as persecution comes, and it's going to come in greater and greater degrees, we're going to need each other all the more. Right? We're going to need each other. Get to know each other. Love each other deeply. Have, be devoted to the Word of God together. Be devoted to spending time together. Not every single minute we get that. We have families and we have lives and we have jobs. But are we devoted to being with the people, getting to know the people of God in our own church? They were devoted to the breaking of bread. They were devoted to the prayers. And when it says the prayers here, within the temple, there were certain times of the day in which they met to pray. That's what they're talking about here. For us, are we devoted to the times of prayer? 8.30 a.m. prayer meeting. We had some more people through exhortation were here this morning. I would love if next week we were in the sanctuary to pray. To gather together to seek God's face for our needs and for the needs of the church and for God's blessing to be upon the church. We may even have to ask ourselves, am I dedicated to prayer? Period. Do I really pray in my own private life? Do I really spend the time that I should speaking to God? I know I struggle in prayer because my mind, I'm thinking, and then my, my mind goes a million different. I, I struggle. But it's a discipline in which we need to be devoted to. They were devoted to these things. The results of being devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. It says that they were in awe. They were in awe. Awe came upon the church. The word awe is phobos, which means fear. What were they afraid of? I think part of what was going on is they saw the mighty works being done by the apostles' hands, as our text says. And just as a point of clarification, let's be clear, by the apostles' hands. The apostolic age is now over. We need to be clear on that. Because uh, these charlatans on TV, they're telling you that, you know, they have the gift of this and the gift of that and the gift of... No, they don't. The apostles had those. And God still heals today. God still provides today, but not in the way He did back when the church first started. I think they were in awe because they saw God doing wonderful things. 
I think they were in awe because it says they were cut to the heart. They realized who they were before a holy God. They got a glimpse and understanding of who God is, and when they saw who God is, how could you not have awe to say, how could this all-powerful God be loving and compassionate? What would you do if you were suddenly given all power, all knowledge, right? I know what I would do. I'd start setting a record straight. I'd start getting even with people. And so would you if you're honest. God doesn't. God doesn't. God says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to love you. I'm going to give myself for you. I gave myself for you. I think that's a part of that. that, Wow. But there is. We We need to be understand that we need to have a good fear of God. Jesus says this in Luke chapter 12. He says, I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body and after that have nothing more that they can do. Right? Don't fear them. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who after he has killed has authority to cast you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. We're to fear God. There is a, you know, we can become very casual with God. Even though he uses the term friends here, I'm a friend of God. Yes, but be careful. You're a friend of God, but he's God and you're not and I'm not. We need to hold a line of reverence and fear before God. Jesus says, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies, and not one of them is forgotten before God? Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, you are worth more, you are more value than many sparrows. Isn't that great? Fear God, because he can kill you in hell. But you know what? Don't fear, because you're worth more than many sparrows. How do you hold that? How do you hold that? By having an awe of God. When's the last time you were in awe of God? I'm going to tell you it's through God doing something amazing in front of you or you purposely took time to meditate upon the things of God. And you're like, wow. 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 It also helps us to hold the balance and when we fear God correctly... To have a good understanding of our how we should not fear man. Psalm 27 1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? If we are more afraid of what they're going to say about us or potentially do to us than we are of what God can do to us. I would say we would have to question whether we're even Christians at all. Do we have an awe of God? It all comes from being devoted to the apostles' teachings, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Awe will come upon. Awe will come upon you. Awe will come upon Bible Baptist Church.
They had all, and they had all things in common. They had all things in common. Koinos, to share, mutual. This is not communism, by the way. This is not the state redistributing wealth. That is a foreign concept to God. They viewed themselves as strangers and aliens in this world, their possessions given to them for the purpose of blessing not only themselves but others. They knew how temporary possessions were. They knew how temporary they were. Think about it. Going into a recession. They already tell you that what? Your mutual fund, all that stuff. 25% of it's already gone. Right? It's already gone. I remember uh, uh, back in the, in, the, in, the, in the 2000s when, uh, when, when the, uh, everything went south and, and your IRAs and all that. You know what I said? I looked at the pie. I said, that's a good time to be poor. <laughs> I didn't lose anything, right? Oh, the people, oh my God, I lost all this money. Everything is temporary. It's temporary. But there were no free rides for anyone either. Within the church, there's not to be free rides. They were expected to carry their load if you were physically able to. Widows were exempt, it says. Remember what Paul said to the church in Thessalonica. He says, For even as we were with you, we would give you this command, if anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. Oh, what if America took that track? be a good track to take, by the way. Care for those who cannot care for themselves. And those who aren't willing to, well, suffer the consequences. I can promise you that hunger is a powerful motivator. Hunger is a powerful motivator. Not that we want to see people do that, but this is what I'm letting you know. It's the church wasn't just, it wasn't just to go in there and enjoy everything for free. People had their jobs. People did their own things together. They, they, they had jobs. They had careers. They had this and that. And yet they were still devoted to the church. But they viewed all that they were given, whether it be wealth, they said this is from God for the purpose of building His kingdom. The reason God gave you a job and gave you wealth, gave me a job and gave me any kind of wealth, is for the purpose of providing for ourselves and the building of God's kingdom. That's the purposes for finances. That's it, as far as I can tell in Scripture. And so if somebody had a need, I don't know if they announced the need, but I think they were in such tight fellowship that if there was a need, and, you know, somebody over here knew it, you know, Sally knew that, you know, Mary had a need. Sally went home to Henry and said, hey, so-and-so has a need. Okay, let's sell something here. Let's take something out of our ROI and let's go. And we're going we're gonna to come over here and we're going to, hey, Sally, we believe God wanted us to give this to you. That's what it really was. It wasn't from the wall, so-and-so has a need. I don't think it was that. Because they were in such fellowship and so close together. So what happened is they did life together. They did life together as a body of believers. It says, as they did the life, life together, they attended temple together. They went to church together. I am so thankful for you, Bible Baptist Church. There are so many churches still after COVID 
who have not recuperated, who don't see numbers coming back. And I want to commend you on your faithfulness. Your being here physically really does matter. Are you glad to go to church with fellow believers? Do you look forward to seeing your brothers and sisters? The psalmist writes this in Psalm 122, 1, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. So, I'm going to put this to practice now. Would you come to evening service tonight? Let's see if your heart's glad. I understand it's last minute, but I would encourage you to come to evening service. Come to evening service tonight, so we'll hear in Exodus 34 how God describes himself. Are you glad to go to the house of the Lord? They wanted to be in the church as much as possible. They wanted to be with those who were closest to them. They wanted to worship Christ together. But you know, if Christ is your greatest joy, it is only other Christians who can share that joy with you. He is foreign to those outside the church, those outside of Christ. They have no understanding of the joy of Christ and what it means to be saved from sins and to have hope in Christ. They have no, you can't share that with them. At, at best, they may say, well, that's great for you. Or they'll, or they'll just tell you, they'll feel sorry for you because you mean, you're just really, you're a nut job, Right? I mean, you think about when Felix, when, when Paul was witnessing to Felix, what did he say? He says, your great learning has made you mad. You're a nut job. This is something, Christ is something that can only be shared within the fellowship. That's it. No one else gets it or can understand it. They'll mock it even. So much so that they... Broke bread together. They enjoyed each other outside the church. The whole sharing of the possessions and all of that goes into that. What's the result of being devoted to God's church? What's the result of biblical fellowship? Listen to what it says in verses 46 and 47. Uh, This is from the New English Bible. I really like the way this is stated here. It says, with one mind, they kept up their daily attendance at the temple and breaking bread in private houses, shared their meals with unaffected joy. I love that, unaffected joy. As they praised God and enjoyed the favor of the whole people, and day by day the Lord added to their number those who he was saving. First thing they had is they were of one mind. They were convinced of. They were devoted to. They were devoted to the attendance of the church, being in fellowship together. The breaking of bread. And it says, as a result, they had glad and generous hearts. Glad and generous hearts. How many of us are actually glad? You ever really have just a sense of happiness and joy? Isn't that so far away from us in America today? 
to have the idea of, of just, I'm just happy. Doing well. I'm doing good. Yeah, this is going on and this is going on. It's only the Christian that can have a peace that passes all understanding. It's only the believers devoted to the teachings of the God's Word, devoted to the church, that can really have a glad and generous heart. You know, we see tremendous generosity with uh, uh, Damar Hamlin, right? I mean, how, you know, thank God he's okay, right? But he has some charity of which uh, he, he gives kids, Christmas kids, toys to kids at Christmas, right? And people devoted millions to it. Amen. It shouldn't take something like that to be generous. Right? God's people are not that way. We should not be like, woo, you know, oh, something's got to happen for me to, you know, really bad has, has to happen. They had glad and generous hearts that defines the community of God's people. Really, it could be even better translated, they had great joy and humble hearts because they understood everything they had was from God. It says that another result is that they were praising God. Result of all that was happening and, the, and their response to it was they were praising God. Is praising God something we only do on Sunday mornings, Sunday evenings? Is praising God a regular part of your routine? Your daily routine? Do you have a time of just praising and thanking God? Count your many blessings. Name them one by one. Count your many blessings. See what God hasn't done? No, see what God has done. You'll be amazed. Man, he did this, he did this, he did, whoa, he did this, he did that. They were praising God. Can I suggest to you that a good thing to do would be instead of maybe whatever music you may listen to, hopefully it's good music, or maybe instead of the television being on or YouTube or whatever we watch nowadays, and right, cable, like, like nobody has television, it's not like anybody's turning a dial anymore. Um, why don't you put good worship music on in the background? Does I mean you can't watch a TV? No, you, can, you know what I'm saying. Like make a concerted effort, even to have the worship of God in the background. I'm gonna t- I, I, I was just about in tears as I was standing here today, and I hear behind me my church, Christ Church, you know what I mean by that, singing in one voice, show us Christ. I mean, it's like we don't even need to have the words up anymore. We know that song so well. And the way you sing it, it's like, we really mean this. We really want this. Man, I tell you, that is powerful. You don't don't think that moves God? I bet it does. I think it does. We have a time in which we just praise God. And thank God. Even in our praying, that we just jump right to God I need. As opposed to God you are. And thank you. And if you would. And if you don't, you still are. 
says the result was that they had favor with the people. Grace was given to the church. We should also be clear, though, that this was for a limited time. Because God was establishing a foothold. And grace with the people soon faded. But while the grace was there, and even when it's not with the people, what happened is that the Lord added daily to their number those who were being saved. We want to grow the church, and it's not about numbers. We want to grow the church. To ask ourselves, are we devoted to the apostles' teaching? Are we devoted to the teachings of Scripture? Are we devoted to prayer, to temple, to the breaking of bread? Are we devoted to these things? It's really good practice here because that's exactly what we'll be doing in heaven forever and ever. Right? That's what we'll be, we'll just be, it's a continuous worship service in heaven. The way I understand it, they have what's called David's table up in heaven. We'll be enjoying fellowship with one another, fellowship with the Lord. Right? I just kind of have a picture of this gigantic long table, right? And there at the head is, there's, there's God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit sitting right there, and we're all right there with him. Maybe it's a big round table, and God, has, God can make a table so that everybody sits next to him at the same time. God's able to do that, right? Just enjoying the Lord as he now forever through the Holy Spirit teaches us more and more about himself for all of eternity, sitting there eating good meal. I haven't been to heaven, so I don't know, but I can... Man, how many would say, yeah, I would like that. The Lord added daily to their number. The Lord's going to add daily to the number if we have a real devotion to her, if we are actually in awe of who God is. So you know what? I, I can't keep this to myself. This is for all people. To go out and tell people. This is what the living God says. God says that all people everywhere are to repent. To share the gospel of Jesus Christ. It may not win friends and influence people. But it will win friends and influence the people whom God calls. That's who it will affect. It is all the more crucial as we see the day approaching. R. Kent Hughes says this about the church, and we'll leave it with this. Where the Spirit reigns, believers relate to the Word, that is teaching. Where the Spirit reigns, believers relate to each other, koinonia, fellowship. Where the Spirit reigns, believers relate to God, worship. Where the Spirit reigns, believers relate to the world, evangelism. Are we devoted as we should be? As Paul says to the church in Thessalonica, 
and I believe we are devoted to this church. Let me be clear. My encouragement is, now do it all the more. Let's pray. Father, thank you for who you are. You are the God of fellowship, that you called us into fellowship with you. We were outside. We were in darkness, cut off from the promises of God, with no hope in this world. And then you, in your mercy and your grace, condescended down to us. And you drew us to yourself, your word says, with cords of love. You drew us into fellowship with you. Oh, Father, forgive us for taking that relationship so often for granted. Lord, we ask that you renew within us a sense of awe, a sense of wonder and of amazement of who our God is and a desire to share the goodness of the Lord with those around us. That you would draw us into deeper love for the people in this church, for each other. That you would draw us into a deeper love for your word, which gives life. We ask that you would do these things as you build your kingdom for the glory of Christ. Amen and amen. Let's stand, let's close in a song. His word. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. God bless you.